This is episode 006 with national championship coach Mark Berkoff. Welcome to Be Contagious. My name is Coach Hernando Planels Jr. and I'm a college basketball coach who believes that leadership is the key to everything. Each week, we bring you stimulating conversation to help you discover ways to be an inspirational force with the people around you. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get contagious. You are really going to love this one today. Coach Mark Barakoff has won back-to-back national championships at Randall University. Listen to his journey, what he's had to overcome to get to where he is, and what it takes to be one heck of a coach. Coach, how you doing, man? Good, H. How are you doing? I am doing all right. Now, if you guys don't know who Mark Berikoff is, you are missing out, okay? Not only has he won a California CIF championship, he also now, just a few days ago, won back-to-back national championships with Randall University. He has built an amazing program. Coach, I tell you, your, your journey has been unbelievable Congratulations. Hey, thank you. It's kind of surreal, man. Winning back-to-back is, uh, I don't know, I, I still kind of I, I wake up and I keep thinking, did we really win it? And uh, yeah, we did, man. Back-to-back, baby. Well, I tell you what, man. I, it's, it's, I know I've heard your journey and what's going on with everything else. And bear with me, everybody. I got be, be, to put this on the story. Share this as much as you can, guys, because you're in for a really, really big treat with, uh, with, Coach Mark Berica. Mark, did you share this on yours? I did. I did. Go, hold on. We, we got to get it on live. There it is. One, two, three. Boom. There you go. It's on the story. It is on the story that we are on live. Now, Coach, really tell us your story. Kind of tell us. I know you grew up in, in California, but you were a high school coach, AAU coach, and pro coach, and college coach. Tell, tell everybody your story and how amazing it has been. Well, okay. Um Played at Whittier Christian High School, football, basketball. Um, played then college basketball at Nebraska Christian College for Coach Lamb, who still coaches right now, won 500 games. Right. Um, and uh, got into coaching at Sonora High School as a sophomore coach, as coaching the head coach of the sophomore basketball team. And then the next year, I was the youngest head coach in Orange County at Heritage Christian. And uh, For all you guys who remember that TV show, The O.C., that's where Mark was. Yeah, right. Um, took a team, took that team to the CIF finals and got beat. And then the very next year, I uh, got a job at Calvary Chapel Downey as the head coach and went to the finals and won it with uh, Tim Drisdom, who played for L.A. Rockfish and went to Utah, played there for four years. Um, went on this great journey to Morro Bay High School, which was my dream high school job. And uh then I got uh, convinced by this wonderful, awesome human being to go coach professionally. And uh, the journey was it a wild journey for about a year. And uh, then let's see. I don't know. I went to – I was at Louisiana Tech for a year, Hill College, junior college in Texas for a year, Texas State. And uh, then I found Randall University. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. So it's been a long, long road. Now tell us about Randall University. I mean, it's – I. It's a small school, Christian school. Tell us about it and your experience over there. Now, you're the, the men's basketball coach and the AD? I'm the men's basketball coach, athletic director, and uh, I'm one of the professors in the business department teaching uh, in the sports management department. So uh, 
Yeah, Randall University is a small private uh, Christian college. There's about 350 kids in there right now. And um, a lot of athletes. It's a great ministry programs. And we've got exercise science, uh, psychology, uh, business, uh, secondary education. So for a small school, we have a lot of good degrees. And uh, we've been very successful with our uh, academic side right now. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you know, following... And, and I've been to several of your games. Just the, the high scoring that goes on at that level really is. It's almost like playing a video game and you're on turbo or you like punch in <laughs> the code and you're just going, you know, 100 miles an hour. I mean, that that style of play is probably something you've been used to the whole time. It's kind of how I've always played as a coach. Um, I, I wasn't a big defensive guy when I played. And that's just kind of carried over to my coaching. Uh, I like guys that could shoot. And we've been in the top two or three in America in uh, in scoring the last five years. And, uh, I mean, we we put up 90 points on a Division One team this year. And, uh, yeah, we like to score, and I like guys that can really shoot the ball. And our philosophy is if you're open, shoot it. And if you don't shoot it, then you're coming out. So how hard is it to play for that? For that? <laughs> it can't be that hard. Now, I mean, being at a small school, and, of course, you know, going back to your roots, let's go back and let's – it's really what we do here. We want to tackle things such as leadership, communication, and culture. And and when you go back to, you know, your days as a high school coach, talk about what were kind of some influences and kind of standards or values that you put together in terms of your leadership style. I think something like in high school, I always preach to our kids that um, basketball is secondary. Um, getting a degree or, or getting your high school diploma and going to class and being a good person around the, com- the campus and the community and not just being basketball players, but being friends with everybody on campus. That's kind of where we started with our culture. And I think so many kids today just get so focused in on I'm on this team and I'm only going to talk to these guys on this team. We kind of made it a point that we wanted our guys to get involved with everything and go to the volleyball games and go to the football games and get to know the other coaches and the other athletes. So that that's kind of where. Uh, as a young coach, I, I kind of really started to try to get my players aware of other things that are going on. And uh, it's just kind of that's kind of I still do that today. I mean, our, our guys are in college are still really involved with all aspects of our campus life. And uh, I mean, that's just an easy way to start culture in your program is is get your kids out so that they're not just known as basketball players or just as athletes. Now, when we, you know, you talk about the culture, but obviously that stems from obviously being a leader and you've been a head coach for so many years. What are some things uh, that you've seen as a head coach that, you know, coaches moving up and not just coaches, I'm talking about leaders in community, leaders in the workplace. Like what are some things that you have seen that that has to happen in order to have effective leadership? Well, that's a tough, that's a tough question, but I think, Young coaches need to get out and meet a lot of people. Um, they need to go and seek advice from guys that have been coaching for a long time. And it doesn't just have to be basketball. It could be the football coach on campus, the baseball coach, the volleyball coach. They need to go out and ask questions and get to know other coaches and how they're doing things. And while you're kind of developing your leadership style, find out what other people's leadership styles are like and get to know other people and don't just sit in this in your office or in this little cocoon of saying, this is how I'm going to do it. And this is the only way to do it. You need to expand your mind a little bit and, and find out how other people are doing it. Not always other people are doing it the right way, 
but you can also learn about how people are doing it and how you don't want to do it. Uh, there, there's just a lot of ways, especially with today's day and age and video and Skype sessions and texting. You you need to go out and meet people and really begin to network. Well, I, I mean, all of those things, you know, the networking part, going out to different people, meeting them has been just a big I think I know for me, it's just a big influence, you know, working here for, for Coach P, but also working at different places. And you kind of get both experiences, uh, which I think is key with everything. But let's go back. Like, what are some things that you obviously you're, you're probably a different head coach now than you were before. Talk about the differences in your leadership style from when you were the coach at Calvary Chapel, where you won a championship in California to where you are now at the college level. Um, working in a different environment and winning the national championship back to back. Yeah, when, when I was younger, my leadership style was more like abrasive and got to be yelling and be into the guys all the time and constantly stressed out about things. And um, that Calvary Chapel Downey team, their personalities were not. And if there was something that that group taught me was that you can coach under control and relax and be having a good time. And uh, you don't have to yell all the time. And I think as a young coach, I yelled a lot and demanded so much out of guys that uh, um, now I'm more relaxed. I mean, my I raise my voice when I need to. And it's, it's funny when, when you do that on just certain times, not all the time, the guys really know when you're upset. But if you're always constantly yelling, the guys are kind of like they kind of tune that out. But now when I raise my voice. The guys kind of understand, ah, coach, coach is upset today or coach isn't having a good day. But I, I've learned, one, relax, and you don't always have to be yelling and demanding. And uh, I smile a lot more when I coach. And uh, I think a relaxed team is a lot better than an uptight team. So that, that's, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned over the years. Ooh, I like that. A relaxed team is much better than an uptight team. Yeah. Um, now, and, and we're going to keep shifting. Now, communication, your communication style, you know, I've known you for years. You are very upfront. You are very up and honest with the players. Has that changed over the years or has it gotten better or worse? No, I, I will always be honest and upfront with the guys. I don't want to tell them something and then go against what I tell them. I'm like, this is how it is. This is what you need to work on. This is why you're not playing. This is why you are playing. This is how you get on the floor. It's better to be open and honest and because there's no secrets. There's no um kid can't come back in your office two days later and you said you said this but now you're not doing this honesty is just an easy thing to be with players and I think kids will respect you more if you're open and honest with them because a lot of kids don't want to hear what you have to say but boy they sure respect and appreciate the honesty so there's there's no there's no hidden agendas and and I think as a young coach I just always made it a point to be honest and uh and as I'm getting older and older now and, and I've been doing this for 23 24 years um it's just easier to bring a kid in your office and say, hey, this is how it's going to be. This is how it is. This is what you've got to do. So there's no there's no hidden agendas or there's no secrecy or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I've always thought that that, you know, if you're up front with them, they're going to respect you a lot more. I mean, that, all they want is honesty. I, I think, you know, they, they want to know what's going on. They want to have immediate feedback. Um, and that really is like the big thing. I mean, people talk a lot about millennials. And, you know, I always tell people all the time, coaches have a firsthand look at millennials every single day. If yeah. you don't know how to handle millennials, talk to a coach. Yeah. We'll, we'll know how to deal with it. Have you seen a difference um, in, in the kids you are coaching today from, from 10, 15 years ago? 
or or is it the same and their upbringing is different? Kids to me are are always going to be the same. I think their upbringing is different. I mean, a great example is when you're recruiting a kid and you call them on the phone and they don't answer. And two seconds later, you text them and they're like, hey, coach, what's going on? And you said, I just called you like, yeah, I know. What's up? Um, if, if that it, it's it's driving on road trips instead of kids talking to each other, they're on their phones talking to each other right next to each other. When I played, and, and I didn't play at a very high level, but at Nebraska Christian College, we rode in vans, which I, which my teams do still to this day. But we would play cards, and we would have communication, and we would talk, and we would listen to sports radio and talk about it. Kids now, they're playing video games on their phone. They're texting with each other on their phone. Um, so it takes a little bit more of uh, creativity to get kids to really open up and talk. So, I mean, that might be the big difference where in the past you call a kid on the phone and he's excited to hear from you. Now they're excited to hear a text from you. Um, so you got to be a little bit more creative with kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talk about recruiting. And I think when you're recruiting either for a, a sports program or out there in, in the real world, <laughs> we like to say it, it's it's really hard. You're trying to get a gauge for them and everything else. How big of an impact has social media been in recruiting, been in your in your world at Randall, but also personally, um, has that elevated or or made things worse? You think social media has been huge, and I, I have a a really good assistant coach in Matthew Mossman that really does the social media really well. We we have gotten some really good kids off of social media, um, off of Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook. Uh, kids love it. Kids love seeing five-second clips of a highlight of somebody dunking or uh, just a graphic of how you've done or that your game's going to be live streamed. Social media has been huge. I, I have not seen anything negative for us. Um, I mean, if, if the biggest negativity would be is how kids are using social media. So we're now more constantly watching what our guys are doing on social media. But in terms of recruiting and dealing with kids, social media has been unbelievable. It's easy to get a hold of kids on social media. And do you see social media as as an issue for for young people as they move on in, in you know past college life when they move on to their twenties and thirties? There's been a lot of arguments that social media keeps them secluded and not being able to become you know sort of like what they would call like a well-rounded individual. Well, I think if anything, social media what it's done is. When you were a kid and we were kids, you could drive around the street and you see people out there shooting baskets or playing football on the street, or you see people playing baseball at, at the school. You don't see that anymore. You very rarely see somebody out riding their bike or hanging out with their friends. Why? Because they're in there playing video games. They're on their phones. They're playing games on their phones. They're talking to people on their phones. So in that sense, yeah, that's been a negative, it's been a negative thing, but I almost look at it with Twitter and all this stuff. Kids are more informed of what's going on out there. There's a lot more news that they're finding out about just if, in anything, not even sports, but it's easy to find out information now on social media. But in, in, on the negative side, you just don't see kids out playing anymore. Kids playing basketball on, on, at the playground, it's unheard of now. Yeah. No, it, right? it totally is. And I, I agree with you. I think I think the amazing thing is when you have like this device – I mean, the kids today, and I say kids, and I use, you know, obviously teenagers or young adults, you know, they're basically around like a computer in their pocket every time. You know, imagine like we were growing up and we had to go on and log on and take like 10 minutes for the computer to come on. I mean, okay. this is probably the, the best business developed thing you could do, you know, as a young person and trying to reach out to different people. I, I think too many of us 
try and stop it instead of embracing it and yeah. learning it and saying, what can we do to improve? I really think with these things, there, there is no reason why, why Uh-oh, we've lost Coach Barakoff. We've lost him. Anyways, we're talking about all the different things. Um, we lost Coach Barakoff. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's going to be able to get back on. Where'd you go? But that's all right. We're going to go ahead and and go ahead and, and wrap it up. We'll probably have some more segments with Coach Barakoff later on. Um, but you've got to check it out. Please visit Saints. Oh, wait, I think he's coming back on. It could be, good. but either way, log on his website, areusaints.com. Oh, Mark, you're back. We we're worried about you for a little. Me? I was worried about you. Oh, I got, I don't know. Okay, we're back though. Yes, we they are. They can't hold us down. They can't. They, they, <laughs> they can't hold it. Let's see, we got a couple comments here already. Jeffrey Barakoff has put a couple comments up, studs and high five. You know, let's go back. First of all, tell us your Instagram handle because I want people to follow you on Instagram. You do something every single day. I want you to explain that to the people, please. Okay. Uh, it's just M Barakoff as my Instagram handle. Um, I don't know. I came up with this thing when I was in China this last summer, and I, I noticed with the, the people in China that it was hard to communicate because I didn't know Chinese very well. Um, but every time I high five somebody, they smiled and it was an instant way into the conversation. So I just started, I tried to do one or two high five videos per week, maybe one per week. Um, just getting people to go out and smile at somebody, high five somebody because a high five goes a long way. It's amazing how good people feel when you high five somebody. Think if you really think about it, the high five is just an instant conversation starter. Yeah. And uh, that that's kind of the basis of the high five videos, uh, just to get people to get out and meet. Yeah. And if you guys, when you watch him, I mean, you're going to go through his Instagram page. There's going to be all these so-called pictures of himself, but they're messages every single day. <laughs> they're motivational, inspirational messages to get you to smile, to get you to high five someone. You know, I think some things that we do, especially in coaching, we take it and we're, we do take it seriously because it's about helping young people. It's about getting you know, them to another level and everything else. But you've, you've got to check them out. Like what, besides that, like what inspired, now you've been doing it ever since you came back from China and you came back from China last summer. So why do you do it every day? It's my, my, my wife told me we were coming back from California from a fly fishing trip with my brother's side, his family. And uh, I got up on the top of this one mountain and my wife's got, you just need to do a video. Everybody loves your, like thinks you're funny. So go do videos. Yes. The whole idea of it is, is I want people to smile. I could care less about about me. I mean, I I'm not. It's not about promoting me. It's I just want people to get out and understand that there are other people out there that maybe need a high five to have a better. time um every single one of it so you're back uh, yeah i've never left it's crazy i mean i'm i'm this is interesting i don't know if it's the internet connection either way 
That's fine. Coach, I want you to give us, can you give us like three things? And some of the things that we try and do as well, too, and we do a conference here at Duke called Moving Up. It helps people focus on the three cores, leadership, communication, culture, but also helping them in their career. What are maybe two or three things that you can advise young people as they move up in their career or in their coaching career if they want to go in that direction? Uh, I mean, one, you got to network. Two, you need to be to be real and not be fake. People can see through that, especially in the coaching world, and not just basketball. People understand that people are looking for jobs. You need to be sincere in your conversations with people um, because there's so many people looking for coaching jobs. It's it's the people, I think, that set themselves aside from other people is the people that are real and honest. And uh, so network communication and honesty. And, um, you know, third, uh, better yourself, learn from other people, learn and, and not be afraid to fail and not be afraid to ask a question that might make somebody else on the other end say, well, I don't know what he's talking about. If you want the answer to it, seek it out. Look for advice from other people that have been doing it for a long time and not and do not be afraid to fail. Yeah, I, I think failure. I, I saw this one quote. The sooner you can figure out how to fail faster, the sooner you'll be able to bounce back. Yep. And bouncing back is is a huge, huge part um, of it. I know for your players, for them to come back and everything else. What are and I, I like you know I like three or four things, but what are maybe a couple things or three things that you saw your program do or your team do this year to to get them to win back to back championships? Because it's it's hard to win one. It is really really hard to go back to back. Yeah, and I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. Um, I'm not saying that winning the first one was easy, but winning a second one, I wasn't prepared. I, I did enough research and talked to enough people and read about enough things to try to figure out how to win back-to-back -back and what you go through. But until I actually went through it, um, it it's extremely difficult. I think, one, our kids were resilient. Uh, they were able to bounce back after bad situations and three, they never stop believing in our in our system, in our coaches, and in our program. Uh, they never lost the belief. And, um, you know, our program is an underdog program anyways. I mean, we were, the last two years, we've been 21 out of the last 24 weeks, we've been the unanimous number one team in the country. Oh. And uh, when it came time for the national tournament, everybody just threw that out the window and said, Ah, you guys aren't very good, and we don't think you're good enough to be a top seed. So we got the four seed, and our kids took that as, yeah, that's where we need to be. We're the underdogs. Not many people believe in us. So our kids kind of adapted to different situations. Their adaptability was unbelievable. Um, so I, and the, the big thing, Coach, is I think resilient. We were really resilient this year. Um, that, that's what I would say. Now, do, do, you, do you teach them that? Like, do you teach the resiliency – um, do you teach them to keep moving forward? Like what kind of, of student athletes do you get at Randall? And are, are you teaching them right from the beginning or do you get them like midway through the development so you could push them to the next level? Yeah, at, at, for our basketball program right now, we have a lot of kids that local colleges absolutely missed on, mm. uh, that they should have been recruited by the schools in the Oklahoma and in the areas around us. So our kids come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, we're an underdog, and uh, that's why I'm at Randall, and I want to prove people wrong. Right. So we kind of get that from the beginning with them, 
but two, we put them through a schedule where they're not going to always be successful. And if anybody looks at our schedule, it's not just your typical small Christian college schedule. Uh, we play an extremely challenging schedule, and there is a lot of failure on our schedule. So our kids are learning as the season is going about failure. And uh, I think that always helps us come tournament time because we have seen everything there is to see when it comes to tournament time. And um, so, yeah, our, our kids are kind of brought in with to be resilient and to be tough. Hey, now, you, you gave me a book by Dwayne Cummings. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Talk about the book. Talk about, you know, I know, I know you meant he's, he's an author. Um, great book. I enjoyed reading it all together. But talk about him, your relationship with him, and, and what he's meant to you and your program. Yeah, we, we met him a couple of years ago, and he came in and actually went through our first national championship journey with us. Um, he just taught our kids to be real, not to be fake about anything you're doing. To If this is what you want to do, then these are the steps you need to go and take to get them, and not to be afraid of failure not to be afraid of a challenge. And uh, we, we kind of took that on as a mission in our program the last few years. And, and we still we still really hold to the, the book and, and the values that he brought to us. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he's a great guy and, and uh, he knows when you're kind of being not real, so to speak. And uh, he challenged our guys. He challenged our guys in terms of a leadership and not being afraid because a lot of kids nowadays are afraid to be a leader. It's not cool to be a leader and to challenge a, a teammate or to tell a teammate you're not doing something right. And one of his big things was, and we really didn't do it because we it was kind of tough, but he said um, every day when your kid guys come to practice and if they don't practice hard, take their shoes out of their locker so they can't practice the next day. And he says that'll tell you how many kids actually really care about the program and, and want Uh, it's got to be a challenge, challenge, challenge yourselves, challenge your teammates and don't be afraid of so-and-so not liking you because you called him out for not having a good practice. And our program with our, our leadership, uh, we have guys calling each other out in practice. Hey, you didn't practice hard today or you're not getting in the gym today. You need to get in the gym. And we've got guys texting each other saying, hey, I'm shooting at 7 p.m. tonight. You're going to be there. Uh, so that, that's kind of what we took from Dwayne uh, was that. No, that's that's awesome. And th those are things I think the, the one of the big things and we do it here as well, too. But in terms of pulling teammates to pull their other teammates. Yeah. You know, I mean, leadership. They always say leadership is taking someone with you, you know, to get somewhere. And, and, and those are I mean, I, I can't tell you how important that is. And for anyone watching or listening, it's the same thing. It's it's getting people to empower them to make them really, really feel like they can they can do some great things now. You've got a great support staff, Coach. You know, you've got a lovely, beautiful wife. You've got a beautiful daughter. Um, how do you handle being a husband, a father, a coach to your whole program, and on top of that, pretty much running an athletic program? <laughs> yeah, my, my wife is 100% unbelievable. I mean, when they say a great coach's wife, she is – I mean, it's undescribable how good she is to me and allowing me to be a coach because you're not around often. And one of the big reasons why I really didn't enjoy Division One basketball was because I was seemed to be always in the office and never at home. Um, 
One of the best things that I've done in my coaching in this program is I take my daughter on the road with me and she sits on the bench for all of our games and she holds the clipboard and she's involved in the timeouts. She's involved with the team. And one of my biggest, my, my biggest recruiting pitch to our Yeah. I'm back. I'm here. You it's all right. You were midstream. Yep. And you were talking about now now I now the little people don't know. Like right now you have your daughter with you, but I remember when you were a high school coach and your wife had the scorebook, right? And she was doing the scorebook at the scores table. That's correct. How, I mean <laughs> The, the best the best story H I could tell you about this is my wife and I am notorious for not taking timeouts. Notorious for it. Anybody that knows me knows this. And sometimes I let it go too long, and my assistants get more frustrated with that. But anyways, we're in a big game, and it was with uh, it was with the high school team, um, Heritage Christian, and my wife slammed her fist on the scores table and says, "Take a timeout." And, uh, you know, obviously I did, of course, you got to listen to your wife. But uh, that's one of the best coaching stories that I have that just tells you my wife cares about the process and she cares about the program. And it's funny as you get older now with like the guys on the team now, they call her mom. She's had she's been able to walk out with on some of them on senior night. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's like I was saying, I don't know if you caught it. When when our program wins a championship, my wife wins a championship also because without her dedication to our program and my daughter's dedication, we wouldn't win. And it's like after this year when we won, the first year we won, I went right to my wife and hugged her before anything else. This year I went right to my daughter who was right on my bench with me and I hugged her because without them, I mean, I just wouldn't I wouldn't be able to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how long have you been married for? You're going to get me in trouble now. Um, 20 something years. 21 years, maybe? 22. Right. We're going we're gonna to do 20 something. That sounds, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> for, for all the coaches, um, male or female, or, or just people in general who, who are, who are entering, I mean, any career is taxing, but what are, what is some maybe two or three points of advice that you could share with them on how to make it work? To me, it's easy, and it's hard for me to say this because I struggle with it too because your job is constantly talking and communication and dealing with people. And is one, being in the office is not the cool thing to do. You don't have to be in the office all hours of the night to prove you're getting work done. That's number one. Number two, when you get home, you need to leave the basketball at the office and at the gym or the arena, and you need to be able to communicate with your family, with your spouse. And that's a very hard thing to do and because they want to know what's going on in your life and you need to let them know what's going on. And I struggle with that still. Um, those are easy things. It's, it's, it's uh, just because you're sitting in the office all hours does not mean you're outworking people. You can outwork people from eight to three or from nine to 12. You can outwork people. Uh, I think there's just so coaching and not just basketball, but it's so much about I got to outwork this coach and I've got to outwork this program. Uh, it, it, sometimes you try to think you, you're you're convincing yourself you're outworking so much, outworking these programs that you're forgetting what's going on in your own household. 
and uh, a happy a happy wife or husband really makes it easy to be a good coach. I'm typing that down for everybody. Oh. <laughs> Don't forget what's going on in your household. I hopefully I didn't misspell anything. I've I've been misspelling words all over on this broadcast. But this, the, that, that right there is so important, I think. And you put out a, a, with an article probably about two weeks ago just touching on that point. I mean, first of all, we talked about the word grind is the most overused word, <laughs> I think, in the coach's uh, verbal library. And, and the reality is it's like people make choices to stay in the office. Now, it all depends on the impact that you make. I mean, having a daughter – you know, and having a wife and two dogs, right? You're a huge Washington Redskins fan, so you got the two dogs. I mean, it's right. Riggins. And Gibbs. And Gibbs. I was about yeah. to say Theismann again. but that's- uh, I want our next dog to be Theismann, but the, the ladies <laughs> in the household said no. <laughs> For you, what does it mean to be a coach? Like, what is – you go to work every day. Everyone always says, well, it's about to make better and – I mean, the reality is, you know, we've got to win as well, too. But for you, for you to be doing it for as long as you have, like, what does it mean to be a coach to you? Well, first, let me go back and touch on that whole grind thing, right? Let me go back. Cause I'm, I, yeah, there is no such thing as being a grinder. I, I'm sorry. Being a grinder is a guy that is working in the field and doing backbreaking work, you know, working in a factory. As coaches, we're not doing that. We're sitting in air-conditioned gyms. Not me, but guys are flying all over the country watching basketball. Sorry, that's not grinding. That's called doing a job you love. Working in a field is not doing a job you love. So uh, coaching, Uh, I love to coach because I love to be around kids and see them get success. I like to see, and it doesn't have to be a successful winning team. I like seeing any team start and get better as the year progresses and seeing them as human beings get better as basketball players and as human beings. And that's where I get my satisfaction out of coaching. I got more satisfaction uh, watching my brother play in a CIF championship game and his journey getting there than I did of my own getting ready for the national tournament. That that stuff means more to me. Uh, that, that that stuff just means a lot to me. That That's what I like seeing from coaching. Um, I like seeing others have success and other coaches have success and my players have success. And being a coach is a teacher. Uh, you're teaching every single day. You're Every single day, you might not be thinking it, but you're impacting lives every single day, even though they're not maybe telling you because you don't know what's going on with your players all the time and what's going on inside. And might, maybe just by a simple word of encouragement, might help them in their day of something that they're not telling you about what's going on in their own life. And that's the stuff that I really enjoy. That's awesome. That is awesome stuff, coach. I appreciate it. Tell us, I I put the site up earlier, but tell us where they can reach you, where they could go ahead and and talk to you, or if they're interested in Randall University, where they can get a hold of coach Mark Barakoff at Randall. Well, simple. Uh, I have no problem doing this. So if you want to email me, it's just mbarakoff at ru.edu. And uh, our school, we just, uh, within the last three months, purchased a brand new athletic website, and it's rusaints.com. And uh, so if you, anybody out there is interested in our program, simple to get on there and check out our, our website. And, you know, Instagram is mbarakoff. And, uh, uh, yeah, I would love to hear from anybody. 
any advice, anything, anybody needing advice. Uh, that's why I'm in coaching. I've been doing it long enough now. If, if anybody needs help or if you need, you're looking for a job and you need to know somebody, just just ask. I, I'm, I'm here because uh, I remember what it was like 20 years ago when I was trying to get involved. And uh, I've been doing this long enough. It's time, you know, I'm, I'm willing to help whoever and, and whenever. Yes, I hope you enjoyed that great episode with Mark Berkoff and picked up some nuggets along the way. Guys, I want to take some time to say thank you for going ahead and downloading and subscribing to Be Contagious because without you, this podcast, this movement would be absolutely nothing. I appreciate all of you. I love all of you. Please don't forget you are a light, you are great, and you are contagious to the people around you. Till next time.